1: Matthew 5.33, again you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. Now the words here that are translated vows or oaths or swear are actually two different words with the same basic root meaning. The first word means to perjure oneself or to swear falsely or to make false vows. And the second word means literally to enclose. Isn't that an interesting concept of corralling
0: words? Indeed it is. And most of us grew up being taught the axiom, be careful what you say. And that has only gotten more important as the communication options that we have today have grown dramatically. This is Study Verse by Verse, and Pastor Leighton Sheely is continuing with part two of a message taken from the Sermon on the Mount entitled, The Power of Words. And here on this Thursday is Pastor Leighton.
1: This statement that Jesus quotes is not actually found in the Old Testament, but it was a teaching of the rabbis, and it was a composition of three verses. They are Leviticus 19.12, Numbers 32, and Deuteronomy 23.21. Let me read them for you now. Mark them and look at them later if you'd like. Leviticus 19.12 reads, And you shall not swear by my name falsely, nor shall you profane the name of of your God. I am the Lord. Numbers 32 reads, If a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Deuteronomy twenty-three twenty-one reads, When you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay to pay it. For the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and it would be sin to you. In fact, if you made an oath, you had forgotten that you'd made it, you realized that you'd made it, you had to come to the altar with a trespass offering as a request for forgiveness for it. And it was because of mankind's inclination to deceit that God provided for the making of oaths in His name as a means of signifying the, the special emphasis of a given promise or a given statement. And when you call upon the name of God in making an oath, it's calling Him to be a witness to the truthfulness of what is said or what is promised and to have the freedom to take a vengeance if it's a lie. It was not uncommon for Old Testament saints to make oaths in God's name. For instance, Abraham confirmed his promises to the king of Sodom and in, with oaths in the name of God as recorded in Genesis chapter 14 and he also made his servant Eliezer swear by the Lord the God of heaven and the God of earth that he would not take a wife for Isaac from among the pagan Canaanites as recorded in Genesis chapter 24. And First Samuel records for us David and Jonathan making an oath of brotherly love and mutual protection. And you know, this practice of taking or making oaths is common today. Sometimes we'll say, in passing, God "As God is my witness. Or, I do solemnly swear. Or, before God and these witnesses. You know, even God made oaths on certain occasions. To Abraham, he said, myself, have I sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, indeed I will greatly bless you and I will multiply to your seed as the start of heavens and the sand which is on the seashore and your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies." Genesis chapter 22. Now the writer of Hebrews explains this for us. It's found in Hebrews chapter 6. He says, Since God could swear by no one greater, because there is no one greater than God, He swore by Himself. He said, My statement is a fact that I'm calling myself as a witness to bear to that. Now God obviously does not lie. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that He should lie, nor the Son of Man that He should repent. Has he said, and will he not do, or has he spoken, and and will he not make it good? Scripture says, God is not a man that he should lie. Now, what are some of the reasons that men lie? One of the reasons is men don't really know the future. I might tell my children now, we're planning on going to McDonald's or Burger King uh, this afternoon for dinner without knowing that my wife has made other plans. And when we do what my wife says, my children think their daddy lied to them. Because dad doesn't know the future. Or we could be planning for a great vacation and we're saving our money and saving our money. And then as we're coming upon on a vacation, all of a sudden we run into a bill that was unanticipated and there's not enough resources to cover the bill and the vacation. And the bill has to come first and we're not able to go on the vacation. And so because of daddy's limited resources, children perceive what is a lie. These are some of the reasons why men lie. We don't know the future, and we have limited resources. But you know, neither of those apply to God. You know, God never makes a contingency plan. God never has a plan B. doesn't need one. knows exactly what's going to be taking place. Number two, God has no limitations of resources. He owns everything. He's all-powerful. If He needs something, He can create it. God is not a man that He should lie. He doesn't even have the motivation to lie. Furthermore, it's not part of his nature. God is truth. He's always truth. He always speaks the truth. God is not a man that he should lie. So then, if God always speaks the truth, why would God call upon this statement with an oath? Was God trying to say, now this is what I'm about to tell you is the truth. Now the other stuff may or may not be, but this is the truth. Was that what God was trying to say? No. That's not what God was trying to say. What God was trying to to communicate was the special importance of what he was about to say. And you know, Jesus used this same technique in his teaching. Often he would say, truly I say unto you, or truly, truly I say unto you. That's that's a way of making an oath. What I'm about to tell you is true. Pay attention. Now, did that mean that Jesus was saying that what he had said elsewhere at another time, when he hadn't said truly I say unto you, was not the truth? No. Jesus always told the truth. So then, why did Jesus say, truly I say to you, or truly, truly I say to you? The reason was, is what he was trying to say is, what I have to say is of special importance. I want your undivided attention. Pay attention closely to what I'm about to say. That is why God, that is why Jesus used oaths. Verses 34, but I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven... For it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your head because you cannot make one hair white or black. You know, when God provided for oaths, there were two parameters to it. Number one, you were to only make oaths in the name of God. And number two, you were to only make oaths on very special occasions. It was not supposed to be a common part of your daily routine. Now, God's law is so demanding that man, it's impossible for man to attain to God's law. I'll give you an example. God created man, woman, put him in the garden. Gave him one commandment. You can partake of all of the other trees, but there's one tree that you cannot partake of. How successful was man at keeping one commandment? How could anyone expect to keep ten? Man cannot keep God's commandments. So because man cannot keep God's commandments, what the rabbis did is they sort of reinterpreted God's word to create a new form of religion that was attainable to some degree by human efforts. The result of which Jesus identifies as self-righteousness because it's not righteousness that's provided by God. Now, let's, let's, let's give you an example of this. <clears throat> God's command to mankind, as recorded in Leviticus 19 says, is, you shall not swear falsely by my name, or you shall not take my name in vain. You see, God is very jealous of His name. God's name is truth. The, uh, what God is, is truth, and He does not want His name being associated with lies. And so what God is saying in this is, don't you call me to be a witness to your lies, because I am truth, my name is truth. The rabbis reinterpreted this verse sort of like this. You shall not swear falsely by my name, but by any other name it's okay. And that's why you had oaths being taken by heaven, earth, Jerusalem, the temple, the hair on your head, your head, whatever it was. Because as long as you didn't make the oath in God's name, it didn't count. And the, the rabbinic traditions provided so many witnesses. And then what they did is, is they, uh, they created uh, in these witnesses, they also created certain categories where they had jurisdiction. And so, for instance, you, you might be in a business setting and, and you're, you're negotiating and you're getting to the final, final negotiation. And, and so finally what you do is you, you make your offer uh, or, you, or you make your response to the offer and you seal it with an oath, and you say, "And we're going to seal this business deal uh, by my head. I'm I'm swearing this upon my head, knowing full well that your head had no jurisdiction over business matters; it only applied at home. And so, therefore, the the oath didn't count. You were covered." Now, Jesus addressed this practice in Matthew chapter 23, verses 16 and following. This is what He said. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, Whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he's obliged to perform it. Now, you heard what Jesus just said? He says that people were teaching that if you make an oath and you swear it by the, by the temple, you're covered. You don't have to perform it. But if you make the mistake of swearing by the gold of the temple, then, you, then, then you're obligated. Fools and blind for which is greater the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold. And whoever swears by the altar, it's nothing. But whoever swears by the gift that's on it, he's obliged to perform it. Fools and blinds for which is greater the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift. Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by all things on it. He who swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and him who sits on it. And what Jesus was basically saying here is that everything belongs to God. Heaven is God's. Earth is God's, Jerusalem is God's, the temple is God's, the gold in the temple is God's, every person's head is God's. Therefore, it is sinful to call upon anything that belongs to God as a witness to a false statement or a false promise. The fact that you don't know the full cost of entering into a contract does not excuse you from fulfilling the obligations thereof. In fact, the only one who really ever knew the full cost of entering into a contract before entering it was God, and he knew that it was going to cost him the life of his only begotten Son. But let your yes be yes and your no-no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one." Now, what Jesus is saying here, simply put, is that the very nature of our natural daily conversation should be so consistently truthful. That we need not call upon the name of God or any other form of corroboration is our witness. When we open our mouths and say something, people just expect it's going to be the truth because that's part of our character nature. We tell the truth. When we make a promise to someone or make a statement to someone, they shouldn't have to say or even think, "Uh, could you get that to me in writing? Because they should so recognize that we're truthful that they'll take our word yes means yes and no means no.
0: You've been listening to another edition of Study Verse by Verse, an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands down in San Bruno. And if you'd like to know more about the church, well, just check them out on the web at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Pastor Layton is in a series dealing with the content of the Sermon on the Mount found in the book of Matthew if you've missed any of these messages you'll find them on that website and if you'd like to know the service times and directions to the church you'll find that information as well on the website you can also call us at 650-873-4095 I'm Mike Trout thank you for being with us come back on Friday as we wrap up this message and once again open the word of God and study verse by verse